Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Hi guys, KO here. We have an exciting one today, the Kevin Ogar and the Amy Van Dyken on the mic. Two athletes, if you didn't know, that were uh, impacted by spinal cord injury, and they talk about moving forward, reshaping their lives, focusing on what they have now, and ensuring that every day is a choice. Perfect timing with the COVID-19 and this new reality that we're all facing. So by the end of this cast, I assure you, you will have a new perspective and perhaps a fresh skill set on how to take on the day in the midst of this uh, lockdown and everything that we're facing. We talk about some faith, some family, and you might even find out who has the best beard at this point. Don't think you know, Amy and I have really (laughs) let ourselves go. Enjoy. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. Today is a beautiful day. I've got uh, two of my favorite humans in the house. Well, digitally, because you know we're on Rona lockdown. Uh, But I've got Amy Van Dyken and Kevin Ogar. Uh, We are going to talk about their journey and um, how they've had a massive pivot in life, a little bit like what we're in right now, and then their charities, and an event, Wings for Life, which is Red Bull's 501c3 nonprofit uh, that benefits research and specifically uh, in search for finding a cure for spinal cord injury. So without further ado, I'm going to let these varsity humans uh, introduce themselves, and then we'll, we'll hear, uh, hear their story and where they're at. Kevin, we want, you want to start? Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know what you want from an intro. I uh, just, I don't know. Kevin, Kevin Ogar, I lift heavy things. I own a gym in uh, Inglewood, Colorado. Um, work for uh, CrossFit level one staff as well as um, uh, sanctional reporting. I also work for the adaptive uh, training seminar staff and then uh, run a nonprofit for veterans to get them back to um, holistic lifestyle through uh, fitness, nutrition, community, and faith. Perfect. I love it. Um, and I wish I need to start recording these, but he's holding his dog. Is that diamond? This is diamond. She is my problem child. I oh, love it. She's not. She's <laughs> a princess. She is a princess. I, I love Kevin and Amy because of the humans they are, but mostly because of the animal lovers that they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they should. She's sitting in my lap right now. All right. Well, she shows over. Diamond's gone. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> they tricked me into getting her. Oh, that's I, it's the best thing ever. And her name is perfect. Yeah, I didn't name her. I call her D because I don't want to have a dog that's named after a stripper. So I mean, you know what? That's everyone's got to work. I'm here for Diamond. <laughs> on that note, Amy, tell us about you. <laughs> <laughs> on the stripper note or on the dog yeah. note? I don't. <laughs> I mean, I'll let you go either way. This is a, this is a safe space platform. Oh, okay, perfect. Well, let's go the stripper way. So, uh, so I am uh, Amy Van Dyken. I, in my previous life, uh, I'm the first American woman to win four golds in one games yes. Olympics. I was a swimmer. Um, a total of six gold medals. Um, and then I was injured in an ATV accident in 2014. And I met this really crazy ginger man who told me to start lifting heavy things from my wheelchair. That would be Kevin. Um, and I did. And uh, that's what I do. And in the meantime, I've started a nonprofit uh, called Amy's Army. And what we do right now is we uh, do custom wheelchairs for kids 18 and under. There's a gentleman um, who was injured in Columbine who has literally had the same wheelchair from day one. We just got him one, which is now going to branch us into getting wheelchairs for veterans. So that's what I do. I love it. You guys are so um, very well said. I know you guys have done a cast interview, a, a thing or two. Uh, these are two very humble humans, but they are genuinely two of America's finest athletes. And like I said, human beings and animal lovers. Uh, what I love even more and Ogar, I've known him. I don't even know a very long time at this point. Uh, it, it would be 11 years at this point. Kira. Is it 11 years? Oh my God. And that's so yes. we're only 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I act twelve. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say mentally, you, you, he beat me to it. Um, we we met in two thousand nine. In case you're wondering, oh, um, that's right. Is that uh, what was our first competition? 
uh, first competition me and you competed together was uh, sanctionals in 2009 and then regionals at the fairgrounds in 2010. Okay. Those, and those were the days that was like, literally we, did you go to the farm that year? I think so. I think, I don't yeah, remember. I think, did. I think, um, yeah, I think you guys did. I don't know. Remember we did the run and we were disqualified on the run. <laughs> I'll, leave, I'll leave names out of it. Amy, this, it was probably one of my most annoying competitions. Like even, so I was a lacrosse athlete in college and brother, we played everything growing up. Probably one of my most annoying competition stories. Like I genuinely like cried. We like won this one workout and then one of our humans, uh, God bless him, was probably one of our better athletes. Couldn't do the run. All you had to do was run up the hill and run back. And he couldn't do it. I don't know what happened. If it was macros or uh, to this day, I'm like, MF or what? Like, what the F? Oh, and- funny. <laughs> so We've anyway. all been there though, right? Yeah. I, I can't run up a hill right now either. So like, oh, what do you no. want from us? Uh, no, you guys would have been faster. It's, I don't know if you remember <laughs> it, but it was, it was, there was no good excuse. And I remain humble because I've had my moments, but it was one of those times where I'm like, okay, really? Like, <laughs> And we were out like the, you, you were just done. There was no coming back from it. We were just done. Uh, so, you know, but awesome. I know those are those moments where you learn to like how to be a competitor, how to lose and all that fun crap. It's like, okay. Um, all the fun okay. stuff, right? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Um, and I do actually want to tell one little personal story about why each of you guys are my favorites. Um, Ogar, another competition story. This was, it was one of front ranges competitions. Um, uh, what was, I think it was a Colorado open and I had, uh, there was different heats and I had, I was usually like the social party animal. Cause you know, turmeric and tequila, Ron brand. I brought like a box of like booze and like all different stuff, Moscow mules, whatever. And people were done earlier. I was in one of the final heats. And so everyone started drinking way earlier. And there was like one, and it was like a, literally a box of liquor. There was one Moscow mule left and I walked out and I was like, and I think Ogar had just got done as well. Cause he was one of the final heats. And he's like, oh, thanks. And in true KO fashion, he doesn't take a sip. He chugs the whole drink. And I was like, yes, my dude. But I was like, eh, that was that was the last of the liquor. There's literally nothing left. So the next competition, we had barbells for boots um, at uh, Unbroken, CrossFit Unbroken. And he literally walked off the bus or out of the thing with a whole bottle of Jameson for me because I was a whiskey drinker in my prior life. And I'm like, oh. My dude, he's like, I'm sorry, I drank the last year drink. I'm like, you're such a nice guy. <laughs> you yeah. you got to pay it, man. I'm like, you can't, you can't chug someone's drink and not get them another one. Uh, well, I had no idea because everyone's like, oh, we don't need booze, whatever. And of course, I bring it and then they drink it all. And there wasn't any for me. So that's okay. But favorite story. And then uh, Amy, um, who I've you know, now gotten to know over the past couple years, um, when we were doing a shoot for another project and when my animal Cleo, who's the biggest judge in the world, who's a beautiful soul ran in, she just adored Amy and anyone that loves and appreciates Cleo, my dog, uh, is a fan of my book. So, uh, one of my favorite pictures I know is Amy like bent over and like letting Cleo, like, like all the makeup off her face. (laughs) Oh yeah, totally. She was such a sweetheart. She's such a love. I'll tell you, Oh, just love her to death. So yeah, I love that picture too. I post it, I think like once a year at least. time it pops up yes it literally makes my heart so i mean you could just see the joy in both of you and i'm like oh my god i'm kindred souls i don't know if i'm like happy or jealous or what my emotion is but i like it (laughs) well at that moment i would have been a little jealous because there was a little intimacy but that's fine i know i was like she doesn't love me like that what the f um but no we take it okay so those are my stories and i just i put those out there because i like people to see other sides of you i know you guys are in the spotlight and there's lots of things happening but i love like these little in-between character moments that really show um you know, the humans that you guys are. But on that note, can, you know, in the middle of this coronavirus, it's a crazy pivot. We didn't see it coming. And you guys obviously have experience in that, you know, with all of a sudden in one moment, your entire life changes. And I think obviously yours, you know, the pivot you guys had to make was certainly more intense. Um, but can you give, you know, just a little piece of advice of, you know, when you wake up the next day and nothing will ever be what it was, what was, you know, step one in, in living that new life? And I know that's a loaded question. I mean, I actually think it's a pretty, pretty easy question. Um, the simple, simple fact is, is like every day you wake up, nothing's ever going to be the way it was. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, I've never understood trying to make things the way that they used to be when there's so much more you could do with the way that they are. Um, it just, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. So once I, once, once it was explained to me and I survived the surgeries and they're like, this is what, this is what it is. There wasn't a whole lot of sense for me to be like, okay, well, this is what I used to do. It then became like, how do I make 
what I'm doing now um, beneficial or like even, even um, make it work at that point in time. Cause you know, you couldn't even, I couldn't even tie my shoes, but I mean, if you, I think it's a waste of energy to try to figure out, you know, how to get things back to the way they were. I mean, cause I mean, all of us sit in a situation where um, the past always looks better because, um, because we've already lived through it. So we know we can live through it. And so people always try to get back to that past. And I think, um, I think that's a major mental flaw because you're wasting energy. You're wasting a ton of energy looking back and trying to figure out how to get that again. Even though when you were living in that moment, moment, you were trying to get back to something else or something else or something else. And, um, I, I think just kind of being like, okay, well, this is, this is what I have in front of me now. How do, how do I use the skills I've learned um, previously and, and make it the most beneficial situation? So I think, um, you know, always been kind of a mindset of mine. Um, I think as an athlete in sport, you kind of had to have that, that mindset. You can't be like, okay, well, last game I did this, um, yeah. because this, that, that doesn't matter in this game. Right. Right. God, that's so you? spot on. Absolutely. And sorry, KO to interrupt you, but like, no, you're I just want to, I want to piggyback on that. Cause I fully agree with that, that, you know, I remember the, you know, looking at my husband in the hospital and being like, okay, stop. Like, this is our now, like, let's just move forward. And it's a choice that you have every single day. You know, every single day you have a choice to wake up and to be happy or to be a sourpuss, right? And if it's your last day, you don't want people to remember you being a, a mean, angry, grumpy sourpuss, right? So no matter what it is, at least smile once a day and it will like exacerbate it, right? Like, or not exacerbate it, like, like, um, kind of go upon itself, right? So you smile once and then someone smiles at you and then you smile again. It's a choice. So I think that when we're in this situation, just like Kevin said, you can't say, you know, what I used to do, say what I have now and make it the best now that you can. And that's the only thing that you can do and strive to be the best now that it can ever, ever be. So I love what Kevin said. Kevin, that was brilliant. I never thought that you had anything like that in your head. It, it, I don't know where it came from. It must have been that second cup of coffee. I was going to say, <sighs> shout out coffee sponsor. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> I, this is what I also love because it, you got to keep the right humans around you because just when you start to float away because you really are a varsity human nailing it, you got your other, your other humans around you. You're like, pull, you, pull your ass right back pull down. Pull right earth. back down, yeah. <laughs> That's what you know. Um, it's true love. <laughs> no, seriously. It's it's and and as a competitor, I mean, I know Ogar is when you compete, you see such raw sides of everyone you're training with. Like you see those breakdowns, oh, yeah. the breakthroughs, the tantrums, the pissed offness. <laughs> I mean, you get to see it, and you, that's when you really do like love your fellow competitors because you, you're in it with them, and they've seen your shitty sides, and we all kind of embrace what it is. Um, but with that, you, that's, you know, when you are, and I actually, I, I agree with both of you guys. I think that was really well said that, you know, every day is a choice, whether it's, you know, Corona or health or what have you, it, it's really, um, mental. And I think, uh, for me as it being, my identity has always been an athlete. And now that I've transitioned out of competing and everything else, I've really started to bring like, Oh, well, you know, you're actually pretty smart. And you know, this, this, the mental conversation is just, it was an identity identity that I never really embraced. Um, but I love how much mental health and mental awareness and intellectual conversation, all these things have really come to the table and how much it complements the physical game. Can you guys talk a little bit of how much of, um, the mental portion, you know, got you to where you are now and how much that is a part of your everyday, whether it's meditation or faith or whatever. Oh, all right. Uh, I mean, is that I, a hard I, one now? No, it's no. just, um, okay. now, now the second cup of coffee is worn off and I have to actually think about things. Um, <laughs> Amy, you got to show up for this one. Kevin just hit yeah. on that one. I'm just right. uh, <laughs> so, um, like just the mental portion of, uh, like, so, Repeat the question is, I guess, is what I'm asking. Oh, like, what's, what's the actual I, question? I got you. I just took a sip of coffee. Um, the, the actual question is, you know, how I, as an athlete, I so much of my conversation around sports was physical, more training, more this, a little bit of mental, like, you know, visualization and simple things. Now, as we've progressed, you know, with um, where sports are, whether it's CrossFit or lacrosse or whatever, how much meditation, visualization, uh, therapy, sports therapy, personal therapy has come into it. And with you guys having such a major pivot where it's, you know, making you live a different way, how much was that mental piece a part of that journey? And then how much of that is carried over today? So it's, you know, did you do a lot of mental therapy or visualization or meditation? And then did that carry over to what you guys do today? 
Um, I did not do a lot of visualization. I did some when competing and I, I've done some, I don't, don't really think I've done much meditation. I think a lot of, um, my mental game and, and even me staying as calm as I did, which wasn't always the case, um, was more just upbringing. Um, I was brought up in a really, uh, great household. Um, I was taught a lot about, about my faith and about what I was supposed to do and what God really put me on this earth to do. And, um, I was always told, you know, you, you have the capacity to be a leader, be a leader and be someone, some, be someone that people want to follow. And, um, and I think, I think a lot of it came from, from looking at other people that I wanted to follow and trying to figure out who, who I could be to do the same thing. But I think, I think a lot of my mental strength does come, does come from my faith. If you, if you feel like you have a purpose on this earth, if you feel like God put you here for a specific reason, it's a lot easier to kind of um, switch tracks and realize like, okay, like that's, that was what I was supposed to do. It didn't work out. Here's what I have to do now, but this is still the purpose of the, I can still fulfill the purpose that I'm here for. I mean, I've known my entire life that my purpose on this earth, God put me here specifically to help other people and help other people find him. And I mean, I can do that in any situation. And so there's not, there's not a single situation that I'm supposed to be in. It's just, you know, once I'm done, once I've done as much as I can in this situation, God will find the path for me to go to another situation and do the exact same thing. So as an athlete, I was there to, you know, uh, foster friendships, be a good person, show, show what Christians are supposed to act like, which I didn't always do really well. Um, We're all works in progress. Yeah. Um, and then when my life as an athlete was over, like I have a great chance now of, of owning a gym and talking to people and traveling the world and teaching fitness. And that's, that's just another opportunity to do the exact same thing. So I don't, I don't think, I think if you focus on, um, one aspect of your life, like I'm an athlete in this sport or I'm an athlete in this sport and don't find the deeper purpose of why are you an athlete? Like what I think people that nowadays just want to be athletes because they, because they can become millionaires doing it. But initially, I mean, athletics in general is just a celebration of, of the, the gifts that God gave us as, as far as like being exceptional human beings at physical attributes. In fact, I think a lot of faith is, is, is actually utilized wrong where it's all intellectual and emotional and they don't get any of the physical stuff in there. But if you, if you dig into it a lot, the physical is a big part of it. Um, so I think if you dig deeper into why are you an athlete, um, why are you doing this? And if it's for yourself, then you need to get out. If you're, if you're an athlete, for others or an athlete to, to show it's possible or athlete to um, celebrate the gifts that you're given. That's awesome. But if you're an athlete to show people how much of a badass you are, I, I feel like you need to get out and get out quick before it crushes you. <laughs> Very well said. <laughs> and Amy, we got to show up strong here. Ogar is crushing it today. Um, I know he is. I know. But it, it's, <laughs> it's funny. Cause like you talk about the mental side of things, right? And I was always known as a mental athlete, like not necessarily, I wasn't necessarily the strongest, I, I wasn't necessarily the fastest, um, but the thing that I did have was my mental game. Um, I remember going into each and every race feeling that I was the best and feeling that I was going to win. The reason that I felt that way is because if you don't feel that way, why are you there? You know, a lot of people can say like it's arrogance or it's whatever. That's what I had to do. And I knew that these athletes that I was competing against were bigger and stronger and better than me, but I knew mentally I could crush them. You so, could see it on you too. I remember your races oh yeah. um, and you could, Absolutely. she's spicy female. And I like, I'm lacrosse human. So like Northeastern, like yes. East Coast women. And I remember growing up and, and watching you and I was like, Oh my, like, you don't want to be next to her. Like she is, she's showing up. And as a competitor, that energy, when you see your competition showing up with it, you feel it. It's, it's real. Right. It is real. Yeah. And, and the other yeah. people around you feel it. And they're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Like, what is she doing over there? And I remember I always felt like even up until the last minute, right before the gun went off, like they even like they call us on the blocks and it was supposed to be complete silence. You know, I'm an asthmatic. So, you know, I've got phlegm and I would just let out this like, like clear my throat so loud it echoed in the natatorium. Right. And people would look at me and I'm like, I got you. If you're looking at me and worrying about me, but, you know, it kind of carries over into my life now, even though I'm still doing athletic things, it's a very different thing, right? So I go into each and everything that I do and each and every day feeling like it's going to be the best day ever. This is going to be the best workout that I've done ever in my entire life. I'm going to push myself to the point that I've never pushed myself before. And I felt that way in, at the rehab hospital at Craig Hospital in Denver, right? Like every single day I got up, I was like, I'm going to crush this physical therapy session because I have to, because it's not necessarily for 
like winning. It's not for a gold medal. It's not for a blue ribbon. It's to get my life back. And I think that if each human can like look at the world that way, right. And look at their each and every day, like their daily lives that way. Right. It could be as simple as I am going to make this coffee, the best darn coffee that I have ever made in the history of ever and crush it. Right. Like, yeah. I just think that that's how you have to approach things. And so for me, the mental part of everything is so huge. And I think it's even bigger now because I don't have all the physical attributes that I used to have, right? I don't have that amazing squat butt that I used to have that everyone used to look at in the skinny jeans. So, um, you know, I've got to make that mental part even that much bigger. My mental capacity is my squat butt, if you will. <laughs> Mm. Perfect metaphor for that for the audience. Um, mm. No, I think that's it's really well said, and it's I I think every athlete over time. I just I love the mental conversation because I think it's so relevant for every single human being, regardless of athlete, piano player, you know, knitting person, whatever. Um, the mental health conversation is evolving one, and it's so critical. But if we can really tackle this this mind conversation, you, you we can change humanity. As cl cliche as that sounds. Uh, the physical attributes are just such a small piece of the game. Go ahead. Well, and, well I was just going to say, like, I was probably one of the bigger guys that competed in our sport. I mean, I'm 6'3", and that was about 215. Average height back then was, like, what, 5'2", for guys? Yeah, and that's about uh, a beard. With the beard, it's another yeah. 10 pounds. Um, and, and actually, I found this out. I talked to um, I talked to a couple of people that I hadn't seen in, in years that we used to compete with, and apparently I used to really freak people out because I was never serious about anything. And they were like, what is he trying to pull? Really? I, I thought I, you were serious. I would always talk trash and joke around in the warm up and like make jokes about things and well, just like I was the same way. So maybe I just saw it from a different lens. But yeah, okay. And, well, K.O. law. Um, and yeah. so some I've talked to some people like yeah, it was just really calming to have someone out there joking around when I was trying to be so serious. And other people were like, you messed with my set my head so much because yes. like if you if you were that confident that you could joke around and laugh about things when we were about to go like competing against each other, I was terrified about what you were going to do. And I was like, <laughs> I was just having fun. I don't really didn't mean to mess with your head, but I guess it worked. I was gonna, well, I always liked, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And me being calm is a part of my, I think getting competitive, mm -hmm. I think. And, and I don't, I would never enter as an athlete strategically trying to throw someone off. But particularly in CrossFit, if you know, like the socks aren't right, the temperature isn't right, the music isn't right, I didn't write through like, like if every little thing isn't right, people get thrown off. So I used to love if it was like raining out, all I ate was egg and waffles, which is pure carb for breakfast, like whatever. Yeah. And you just show up and go. But if I could see someone else was a little bit off, I was like, oh, yes, I yep. did that. Like, oh, yeah. Time. So I, exactly, right? Oh, I, would, yeah. I would freak people out because I would um, like re regionals, like I would sleep until it was time for me to go warm up like an hour before. I would sleep. I would wake up. I wouldn't even know what the workout is. I'd walk in to the warm up area and I'm like, all right, what's the workout guys? And they're like, you haven't practiced this like four times. I'm like, no, it's fitness. I'm either going to go out there and do it or I'm not like, I'm not going to sit there and worry about it. And they're like, so you really don't know what the workout is. I'm like, no, could you tell me? I need to know what I'm doing. And I would do that every single time. And I, I guess that really kind of threw people off because everyone back then was like, I guess even today are like so rigid about everything. Like I have to have my pre-workout exactly 32 yeah. minutes and four right. seconds before I work out. And I was like, I don't know. I just, I just chugged a beer and I'm going to go do this say, real quick. I literally just crushed a beer. I'm carb ready. Let's do this. It, I actually found the more serious I got, like doing what I was supposed to do, the worse it was for me. Like, oh yeah. It, was, it, it wasn't even fun. Athlete. Yeah. It wasn't even it wasn't. fun. The, uh, the last competition I did as an athlete um, was actually the one I met my wife at. And I rolled around with a bottle of whiskey underneath my chair. My dude. And I, yep. and I would I would do do a little, little sip of whiskey and then go do the workout and then come back and it was fun. I enjoyed <laughs> it. Yeah. yeah. So awesome. Amy, Amy, have you how are how do you approach CrossFit? Are you like are you good about carbs and pre-workout and all that, or do you just show up in game? I just show up in game. Like That's I just I have fun. I mean, I will say this. I will say this. I uh you know, I hadn't done a competition since the 2000 Olympics. So okay. when I got to the Wheelwad Games last year, uh, and the first event was swimming, oh, girl. Oh, girl. Okay. I was like, don't. I go. I, I kept having to tell my, don't go back into that old, don't do it. Just don't do it. I'll do my, it. My coach looked at me, and he goes, are you okay? I'm like, I think I'm getting ready to spit in someone's lane. Like, this is <laughs> yeah. <it's> on. <laughs> still, still by far one of my favorite Olympic memories from watching as a kid. Period. Period. Absolutely. Period. Absolutely. People, oh, people, thought, people thought it was aggressive. I thought it was awesome. 
Oh. Right. It was aggressive. And a lot of people were like, oh, that's not sportsmanlike. I'm like, I am trying to do whatever I can to win a gold medal for the United States of America. What's more sportsmanlike than that? <laughs> Although with the Wheel Lot games, it was a little different. Um, I did scare some people. Oh, I, yeah, I know sure. that. Totally scared. But then I got into it, right? And then I realized, like, it's just – it's CrossFit. Like, it's a yeah. workout. And I remember there was this yeah. one workout, and we were still at CrossFit Industry. And the summer before, Kevin was working on my floor transfers. For those of you that have legs, you have no idea how hard this is to get a crippled body from the floor into your wheelchair. Couldn't do it. I pissed and moaned the whole time. Like, I remember looking at Kevin going, I can't flip and do this and all these things and getting frustrated. And in this workout – it was a chipper, right? And I was so far ahead of everybody. And then it came down to where you have to take a med ball over a bench and then get your fat ass on the bench and over the bench, which is a, a, a transfer, right? It's hard. All of a sudden, I remember if it was Kevin or another friend of ours, Jedediah, looking at me and going, you're losing now. You need to go. And I was like, what? And it was Kev. It was Kev. Grateful. And all Grateful. of a sudden, I mean, my booty, that squat butt that I used to have was up and over that bench like a mother trucker. And I was like, wait a minute. So I do take CrossFit as more fun, but then also very competitive as well. So yeah. I don't know, man. It's just a fun sport. Like with anything, you just have to have fun with it, right? Like, and we're all just humans in the world trying to do the same thing and, you know, do the best that we can. So if you can understand that in others, the competitiveness is still there, but it's not as gnarly as it used to be. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why I don't compete anymore is I, I found that I wasn't having fun at all. Like competing became this thing where like I had to do it. I was told I had to do it because you're Kevin Ogar and you're supposed to show what competition is. And I remember uh, before I was actually going to quit before the Wheel Law Games. I wasn't going to go. And Stouty, um, uh, Chris Stoutenberg up in Canada who runs it, asked me very, very Stouty-esque with a bunch of F words to do it. Um uh, and so I agreed, but I, I realized right before that competition, I'm like, I was doing an online qualifier and, and um, Megan John, a friend of ours, she's like, you're not having fun with this anymore. Like you turn into an asshole and it's not fun to be around you. Another and I was, yeah. And I was like, fair. And I've always said the second to stop being fun, I was just going to stop doing it. So I just stopped doing it. And now, now I'm, I'm on the other side of the thing. Now I just judge people, which is way <laughs> yes, more fun. <laughs> Way more fun. <laughs> My heart rate's at 180. All I'm doing is judging. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I, I'm much, I'm much better be going like, Hey, you, you're not good at that. You should be better at that. And I'm not going to let you get, have any of those reps either. And you should see the faces on a lot of adaptive athletes when they have someone actually no rep them for the first time. They're like, but I'm missing an arm. I'm like, that doesn't affect, <laughs> it doesn't affect your squats and I don't care. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I honestly, I, whenever I judge, I don't know if you remember this, Ogar, but I would, unless it was really bad, I would never know rep. Cause I was like, Oh man, I've been there. I feel for you. We're, it looks good. Like it's, we're good with it. Oh, I was, I was, I'm the no rep King. You give me oh, an yeah. excuse at all. And I will no rep the hell out of you. Yep. So, <laughs> so true, true story. My wife won standing division at Waterpalooza this year for that's the adaptive. Good. I saw that. Shannon. Yeah. yeah. She did great. And so she, she tells a story. I was head judge. I was running the judging for the adaptive. Um, every oh. event, yeah, every event that she was in, I would come over and I would literally stare down every movement she did. And she's like, I could tell you're waiting to no rep me. And I was like, I, I was. <laughs> Let I me was. Just, they're sure. recently married. Let me just yeah. put that out there. <laughs> no, no excuse not to do to move well. She's she, she's she's an ogar now. We don't get no reps. Oh <laughs> man, well at least you know what you're gonna. Run. My dad would do the same thing. He would come over and like watch me, and I'm like, you already know I'm not flexible. Like, don't watch my squats. Like, go over there. This is this is as good as it gets. And he only he squats is the. I mean, he is older, so we'll give him that. But it's it's you know where my genetics fall in line. So, but yeah, he would equally judge me. Yeah, no, you, you're you're. In, I mean, I'm sure he's the same way. You're an Olsen. You better not get no reps. We're better than that. <laughs> Amy, Amy, have you had the opportunity to judge Ogar? Um, I, I mean, judge outside him on of life. Yeah, daily, I was gonna say daily, I judge daily, him on a daily basis. Daily but uh, basis. yeah, no, and uh, no, I haven't. We did. Um, we we were doing something, and uh, I remember just watching him and being like, "How the heck does he do that?" So judging in that way, but no, I've never judged yeah. him. But I would no rep him like a mother trucker, man. I, I would I, be I, like, "Whatever, dude." <laughs> if I was being judged by a friend and I didn't get at least no, no at least one no rep, I would think they didn't love me anymore. Like that's that's the level <laughs> I want to be held to. Like you, I'll make sure to no rep you because I just be like, here's a beer, good job. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll no rep you next time. Now I know. Um, yeah. And he's not, he's not lying. Like last year in the Wadapalooza qualifier, I was, you know, because in the summer I'm in Colorado, I work out with Kev at his gym, Watchtower. And uh, I remember, it, gosh, it was, uh, it was ring dips. 
And Kevin had me doing them a, a new way. And I remember I was shaking and I was sweating and I was cussing and I was crying. He's like, nope, you got to lock them out. And I remember just looking at him and he looked at me like, what? What are you going to do? You're going to swing uh, on me? You can't move your arms right now. What are you doing? <laughs> still not a rep. <laughs> still not a rep. I don't care what you do. Listen, when all those tears are done being cried, it's still not a rep. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> well played, so I well love played. it. I love it so much. Well, <laughs> perfect segue. Um, you know, I'm a, a, a team sport animal at heart. Uh, even trying to be an individual in CrossFit, I think it never fully happened, like getting to the games because it was so just out of alignment with my personality um, and gymnastics were always a struggle. But that's a whole other podcast. But uh, how important is it to keep, you know, really great people and great sound subjective, but really good varsity humans in your world? Um, and do you guys consciously keep track of who's around you on your daily um, well, right now it's just Shannon. So I think I'm doing pretty good. That's all you need. Uh, yeah. Shannon Quar- <laughs> quor- hashtag quarantine life. Hashtag quarantine wife. Uh, there you go. There you go. New hashtag um, porn. New hashtag. Um, so I don't yes, know. What up, girl? I don't know if I keep track of exactly who's around in my life. I, I, I think I'm pretty, pretty um, like job and purpose driven. So like if, if people are going to be around in my life, they can either have the, drive towards the same purpose I have, or they can yeah. be part of it or not part of it. But I, I have a, I have a very single track mind. I'm not smart enough to have multiple tracks going at once. So well, this mass is proving, proving otherwise you've had some pretty solid, uh, yeah. here. well, that's oh. cause it's one, one question at one time. If you ask two questions at once, I would crumble. <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't specifically keep track of who's in my life. I, I think I just more or less, um, I'm trying, I'm trying to do something very purposeful. And so like either, either, it's a get on board or get off board type of thing. And I am not saying that I don't, don't reach out and try to stay friends with certain people. I do like Amy, she lives away from here. And like a few other people really try hard to stay friends with them because they're just good humans. Yeah. Um, but that that's, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I purposely try to surround myself with people who are awesome. I think I just have awesome people around me. Just like a natural filter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I think, you know, it doesn't, if, if people are meant to in your life, they somehow naturally circle back. And if not universe, God, however you package it looks out and it kind of filters it out. Um, how about you, Amy? Are you strategic in your humans? No, I'm not strategic. I posted something today that kind of says like exactly oh, the, the person that I am. And it says, not everyone gets the same version of me. One person might tell you that I have an amazing, beautiful soul. Another, another might tell you I'm a cold hearted asshole. Believe them both. I don't treat people badly. I treat them accordingly. So I was always taught, treat people how they treat you, not how they treat other people, right? So, you know, if someone's a jerk to a friend of mine, I might say to the person, like, why are you being a jerk to that person? And maybe try to fix it. I don't know. But, you know, if someone's really cool to me, then I'm cool to them, right? And like Kevin said, it just ends up that you do filter out the people that are not supposed to be in your life. They say that people are in your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime, And so you have to realize that some people maybe just this season and it's time to move on and that's okay. Yeah. I I think it all again boils down to like, what do you feel your purpose is? If if you're chasing the approval and and the relationships of other people instead of a meaningful purpose in your life, I think you're going to have a really hard time keeping awesome people in your life. I think if you then, if you can switch your, your mindset from pleasing people to to fulfilling a, a, a meaningful purpose, I think awesome people just naturally float to you. Um, I think, I think people who focus on like who's in my life and why they're in my life and how awesome are they, um, are going to have a really hard time because then they're always going to be seeking the approval of, of humans and humans are flawed and humans kind of suck sometimes. So, um, I don't think it's going to be a very successful endeavor. Yeah, totally I agree. I agree. And I like, well, that's literally the base of turmeric and tequila. Cause I, as a branding professional, you see that not everything is exactly how it packaged. And that's literally the whole point of this cast is to, uh, provide a platform for, pe- for people to be themselves and speak their truth. Uh, because we are all those things, you know, we, you can't be sunshine on one day and the dark clouds on another and you know, pack a helmet. <laughs> it, <laughs> it happens. Um, but I also think that's, you know, the beauty in humans, you know, you can be soft on one side and edgy on the other, and it's all, you know, this ironic juxtaposition of things, but that's, what's so cool about it. Um, and I also just think it's so important, uh, to kind of going back to keeping the mental, the physical, everything together and having that good energy. Cause then I, I, I'm with you, both of you, how you said the, it naturally attracts the right people. Um, and then really to have that awareness to 
genuinely appreciate when the right people are around you and they keep coming in or they maintain around you or whatever. Um, so leaning into the purpose piece, uh, Kevin, I like how that keeps coming up because I think it's so huge. Can you guys tell us a little bit in depth, uh, about each of your charities? I love that both of you have, you know, taken this major pivot in life and then not only made it for the positive for yourselves, but now are doing something on a larger level with, you know, 501c3s charities and, um, uh, your purpose. So enlighten us about Reveille Project. Okay. okay. Um, well, the Reveille Project is something that me and uh, one of my best friend, Ryan Foster, started working on in like 2010, 2011. So before I got hurt, and it stems from, um, he was in, he was in the Marines is a Marine. If you talk to him, um, I call him a crayon eater, but whatever you want to call him. Um, <laughs> also good dude. Varsity. Yeah. Great, great guy. And so he came back, uh, when he got, got out of the Marines, um, had served two tours, had his transport transport blown up both times, has some real big issues, all 10 fingers and all 10 toes. But, uh, like what, what he calls him a uh, minor TBI. I don't know if you know anything about TBIs. A minor TBI is not a thing. Um, you either have a TBI or you don't, um, for the most part. And, and so he had some behavioral issues and some things he wasn't doing quite right and couldn't figure things out and was doing things that he just wasn't super proud of. Um, then he came in to start doing some fitness some CrossFit. I ended up um, having the the pleasure and the, uh, the uh, opportunity to be his coach. Uh, we became really close friends, just chatting about stuff. He kind of flipped his life around. And we kind of took a look at that and he, he, we always talk about like wanting to help veterans. Um, my background being more in psychology and, and reading a whole bunch of studies as um, a college student and seeing that most of them were done on the military and how they just really weren't getting anything but drugs and um, not really getting any help or not getting any better. Um, we came up after a long talk about what we, what we could do to help um, this idea of just mimicking what he did. And so we started building this plan to, um, get veterans into um, fitness and nutrition in the community that the uh, CrossFit community provides. It's kind of like a stepping stone. Um, you know, in the military, you have this big structure and this brotherhood and then civilian life, you don't have any of that. And I think CrossFit is a nice little segue because you do have a lot of structure. You do have someone telling you uh, what, to, what to do for as far as class is concerned and, and like how to eat and all these different kind of things. But then you also have that big group of community. Um, and so we wanted to get veterans into that community to be supportive and help them out. And then um, along the way, Ryan, uh, you know, I grew up in my faith, but Ryan found his and he had a hard charge to bring that in. So we brought that in through um, working with, with uh, organizations like Faith RX, which is another amazing um, and really awesome uh, nonprofit in the CrossFit space that combines faith and fitness. Um, so we started working with them. So we decided that um, we came up with this idea that human beings generally need uh, four things to have a whole life. And it's, you know, fitness or physical activity, um, nutrition, community, and then faith. And so we base it off that. So what we do is we provide scholarships um, for veterans who have any kind of mood disorder or physical disability. Uh, we pay for uh, gym membership at a CrossFit gym, um, get them hooked up with a nutritionist, get them plugged into their community, and then get them um, – if they want to, it's a completely optional part of the program. Get them involved in Faith RX. That's so awesome. <clears throat> and uh, I didn't, uh, the reason I was kind of asking the mental question prior is I have two military brothers and some family, grandparents and whatnot in, uh, they're all military. And one brother did come home with a serious TBI. And, you know, even just navigating conversation on that was really, really difficult because it was so new to us. And I still think it's, it's not it's an under talked about conversation. It's, it's happening, but absolutely it's because you, you can't see it. Right. Exactly. You can't see it. I work with a lot of people with TBIs and, 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 in my gym, um, cause we're right next to Creek hospital and it's, it's hard like some, cause they'll come in and they'll have a, they'll have a hard time with something, whether it be a barbell dropping or a certain noise or too much light or too little light or something. And they'll have a little bit of a breakdown. And, um, people are like, why is he acting like an asshole? I'm like, well, cause half of his brain's muddled. Um, you know, uh, he has a TBI, like that, that's him at his wits end. He spent the last 24 hours doing everything he can not to, not to have an implosion and not to, not to freak out a little bit. And that was just a tipping straw and he just needed to let some stuff out and he's fine now. And, um, I think once people understand that it's, people are really cool about it, but again, you can't see it. So you don't know that this person's acting like an asshole because they had their head 
two inches from an explosion. Right. Um, well, and they can't see it. Like, I mean, the world can't see it, but they, it's, it's like you, we've grown up and just American society and our learnings, you have a cut that you see it and you cry. Or, I mean, you, you yeah. something physical, but when you can't see it, even in your own mind, you don't believe that something's wrong. And your brain is your most important piece of hardware. Well, and then, th- then it comes back to this, like, I should be able to control this. I should be able to control this. Um, this is, this is my personality. This is me acting this way. I should be able to, somehow beat this or be better than this. And, and I think um, a lot of people with TBIs don't give themselves enough grace because I mean, it, it, it takes a lot of mental energy just to focus on something or not to freak out or like um, mm-hmm. we call it quicksand and uh, l- little known fact, I probably do have an undiagnosed TBIs from your, from your rugby. And um, I have all the signs and symptoms of it. I just don't like doctors. Did you have um, questions? Uh, yeah, I had a, I had a few, and then I had a couple major. I have a hole the size of a cleat in the back of my head. Oh, okay. Um, from a cleat. Holy cow! Um, so crazy rugby. Um, and so, like, I, I probably have an undiagnosed TBI at some point in time. And so, there's a lot of things that I never um, realized were were more symptoms than just um, what people with TBIs will beat themselves up as like bad personality traits. And it's not bad personality traits; it's really a symptom. So, like, for me, right around seven thirty, eight o'clock, my, my I just start shutting down. Like, and I would always get so mad at myself because there's other things I needed to do. I needed to do laundry. I need to clean this. I need to do that. And I would just think I was just a lazy, bad personality trait and talking more and more with these uh, individuals with TBIs and, and realizing that all of us have that same thing going on. Realize it was more of a symptom. It's just that we have a certain amount of brain energy we have each day. And then like when that's done, it's really hard to do anything else. Yep. Yep. I see. I got I have a TBI as well. When the ATV oh, okay. landed on my back, it also landed on my head. And, um, yeah, I, and I think Kevin, you're right. Like we don't give ourselves a grace cause you think that you should be able to beat it. Right. Like, you know, one of the things that I have that freaks me out is it, whenever I lay on my back flat, I get so dizzy. I feel like I'm going to yak. And what's so cool about being in Kevin's gym is that I can have that freak out moment when that happens and nobody cares. Nobody yeah. like, well, not that nobody cares. Right. Like, like Kevin will make sure you're okay, but everyone just keeps on doing their thing. Like they're like, she's fine. She's not going to throw up. She's not going to fall. She's fine. Kevin's got it. And you yeah. have that moment. And it's really cool because then I think what's cool about that, Kevin, is like then in daily life, you can give yourself that moment grit, yeah. of like, yeah, of the, a little more grace for yourself. So yeah. I think that's really cool about what you do. I just got to give you praise since I give oh. you so much crap today. No, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> You're balance. Well, and I, I think we don't see that. We see that a lot. In, um, and since we're talking about athletes, I think athletes are the worst at this. I mean, look, look at football, look at any contact sport where you have these uh, like CTE type symptoms or TBI symptoms. And then um, we're, as athletes, I know I struggled with this a ton after after kind of figuring this stuff out. It's like, I'm an athlete. I, I, I've spent my entire life learning how to control every aspect of my body. Like I, I you, you talk to athletes and you talk to their, their PTs and doctors and like athletes have a, a higher connecti- connectivity between brain and body than any other people on the face of the planet. And so... Um, I can see that my legs don't work. And so I can, I can wrap my head around that. It took me much, much longer to wrap my head around the fact that I don't have the exact same connectivities I used to because of, because of something that's going on in my brain. And so we have these athletes who are um, so used to being at the top of their game and they're wondering why they're having behavioral issues. They're, they're struggling with drinking when they never did. They're struggling with anger when they never did. And, and, they're, they're trying to beat it by the same methods that we use as athletes, which is like train through it, figure it out and fix it. When, when what they really need to do is, is back it off a little bit, which is really hard for athletes to do. They need to back it off. They need to understand that maybe this is, this is like, they do have limits now on, on certain things they can do. Um, and it's not that they can't do everything they want to. They just need to rec- recognize signs and symptoms and find a different way around it. Yeah. Well, and I think that the first step, I mean, it's such an intense scientific conversation and understanding, but if we can just start with the conversation and have it more as uh, an acceptance in society of this is real, this is a thing, because your brain physically changes. I've been fortunate enough to work with some of the brain companies we got here just because of sports and, and you know, what I do as a job. Um, but to do a brain map and do neurofeedback and experience some of this for myself and physically see how, you know, when you have brain trauma, how your brain literally neuroperth pathways break down and then reform. And it's literally a scientific, scientific, physical conversation, but we, we don't know that. We don't understand that. We don't don't talk about it. And I I think, I think for a lot, I know for me, it's frustrating. So I, um, I get a really bad stutter as I get tired. And part of that is like, I I can't get my, um, 
and I've talked about this with Amy and one of my other really good friends who has a TBI. And there's a lot of times I can't think of words and it's really frustrating because I can see the word inside my head. I know the word I'm trying to say and I can't get my mouth to communicate that. And then I'll start to stutter or I'll forget. I'll, I'll sit there and get frustrated with it. Yeah. And it, um, I think people, I think people will look at someone who has a TBI and see that they're, they're getting angry and think that that anger is on something outward. And really it's, it's on frustration that we can't communicate what we're trying, uh, yes. re- really trying to say, and that we're not, we're not idiots. And it's not like people, I think also sometimes people assume that people with TBIs, that their brain moves slower, that, that we're trying to like keep up at a certain pace. And the reality is um, with TBIs, if you, if you map at someone with a TBI's brain, the neural firings are crazy. It's, it's like, yeah. ten, it's like 10 speed. It's, it's, it's literally like your brain on overdrive a hundred percent of the time. It's like someone took off the governor switch and slammed their foot onto the gas pedal. And so instead of trying to keep up with everyone, we're trying to slow our brains down long enough to communicate something. And it becomes this, this stutter or this forgetting of a word. Cause instead of being able to communicate that word, we're on 10 thoughts ahead of some, something else that makes no sense to the conversation that we're on. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's, that's been the problem, you know, and Kevin and I have talked about that with, with mine is that, um, you know, for since 2000, I've been in TV and radio and I, I, feel like I can't do radio anymore because I'm not as quick and I'm not because I can't get the words out sometimes. And when I can't get the right word out, I start to feel like a moron. And so then I start to act like a moron. And then everyone around me looks at me like, why are you acting like a moron? And you're just trying to get this word out. And the word is cat. You know what I mean? It's just a simple thing. And so that's why I have felt like I can't get back into radio up until recently is that I don't feel that I'm fast enough to be able to keep a conversation moving, um, you know, that you need to, to have in radio. Cause I just, or I'll be in the middle of a sentence and forget completely what we were just talking about. It's oh, yeah. the weirdest thing. It just happened. Like during that ramble I just had, like, I forgot where my brain was at and I, I was on like <laughs> something that's happening later today. And I had to remind myself what I was actually saying, right. but it's, it becomes this thing. Like I've been at the gym and I'm like, Hey, can someone go shut that? Um, and I could see it in my head. I could spell D O O R in my head. I could I could literally see the word. And I'm sitting here for like five minutes trying to tell someone to shut the door because I can't figure out how to say the word door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I think the larger message is. I mean, sometimes you just if you know when you don't know what's going on with someone to just as an observer, just to have some space and grace to be like it might be something else, or just not judge or not assume things. Which again, in society, I don't think we're taught that, and we're not you know taught to think beyond things. It's usually if you see it, judge it. And that's what it is. Like we apply that meaning right away. Um, but that usually it's not true. Well, I think the bigger, the even bigger problem for athletes is that we look fit. Yeah. Great. Well, we, 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 we look fit. We look healthy. We look like we have biceps, we have traps, we have, you know, abs, like we look like we're healthy. Um, and we are as healthy as we can be. Um, one of the guys at my gym, Aaron, he like looks like a freaking stud. Like he's six packs, Jack. He's, you know, a terrifyingly fit human being. But if you watch him, you realize that he's literally just like holding himself up barely by his abdomen. Like his legs really don't work too well. He has a C4, C6 injury and a severe, severe, uh, like one of the worst TBIs. Like he should be dead. He's the guy's a miracle. Um, and he has a severe TBI and he, he cusses a lot and you can tell when he's having good days and bad days because he cusses more when he has bad days because his brain just doesn't filter anything. And so, but if you, if you were to look at him, he runs a ranch, he, he walks horses, he, he like farms everything. Like he looks like a badass. Um, and then you, you dig in a little bit deeper, you know what you're looking for and you realize like this dude is doing everything he can just to stay on two feet for 12 hours a day. Yeah. And if you, if you saw him from the outside, you'd be like, why is this guy such an asshole? And then you realize that like he's spending a hundred percent of his energy, just not falling down right now. Yeah. I, well, as a marketing, I'm an athlete first always, but as a marketing and branding professional, I can assure you not everything is as it seems. And all, all the smoke and mirrors, whether it's abs or a nice, you know, packaging on a product or whatever, um, you really get, you do got to dig further or give it some time for like the truth to be revealed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it's not all usually how things are up here. And again, going back to kind of the turmeric and tequila piece, having that, you know, those, those little angles and curves and idiosyncrasies that make us all who we are, are really the beautiful thing. You just have to be remain open-minded and let um, some things kind of play out before you, you label or brand something. Right. Um, 
Okay, so well, Amy, give us we 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 segued a little there, uh, which is wonderful and which I love. Uh, Amy, tell us a little bit more in depth about uh, your charity. Uh, one thing I love that Amy does uh, on the note of um, you know expanding our horizons is she takes little things that happen in her life and, and labels them as teachable moments. And I love that you post on Instagram like little things, what to do and what not to do, particularly for people in wheelchairs. Um, one of them that always stands out to me. I have a huge. Well, I've got a small driveway, but then I happen to be on a corner lot, so I have to. I'm responsible to shovel my sidewalks and I would, you know, do it whenever, but now I get up and do it right away. Cause I was like, if anybody is even wheelchair strollers, if you don't shovel it, you literally can't get through. So. Right. Right. Tell us about your charity. Amy. Well, I thank you for that. that. Thank you for that. Yes. The teachable moments is so funny. They started out just cause I was angry that there was a, um, a post office truck parked across three handicapped spots at a rehab hospital. And I'm like, you're at a rehab hospital. So I filmed it and I was like, listen, you like, you can't do that. And now actually the postal service uses that video <laughs> as things oh, to do. Yeah. I'm, listen, I'm, shocked I get, I'm shocked I get mail. Like I did it to the postal service, UPS. I've done it to FedEx. Oh yeah. So, but, but the thing is like, I never knew before I knew like all these right. things. And so I just right. feel like, again, giving people grace, I try to now not bust them out for things. I try to just say very gently, like, hey, listen, if this happens in a situation, maybe you could do X, Y, and Z instead of doing A, B, and C. So that's how that started out. And I do that on my Instagram and um, on TikTok now. Yes, I TikTok. Okay, I don't want to, I don't dance. Oh, no, I'm on it. I'm on it now. We're going to start. It's it's new, but no, I'm here for it. I'll, I'll start watching yours. I'm new to it, but we got to be out here. Man, there's listen, a whole, yes, you guys are missing a whole big thing with TikTok. Shouldn't be I, on it. Yeah, are you are you on it, Ogar? No, it's it's li it's literally the same thing as like Zoom right now, where it's 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 yeah, ran by the, the communist Chinese government. It's great. I mean, we're already in it. We Check are in Instagram it. Then. Yeah. What? Okay. Yeah, it's fine. It's so addictive, but but um, let me say. So um, I do that, but my charity, Amy's Army, I actually started forming it when I was at Craig Hospital. And the reason being was, you know, I was sitting there and I was like, you know, son of a biscuit, I can't use my legs. And then I looked over at a friend of mine. And he looks at his wife and he goes, hey, babe, can you scratch my nose for me? And I was like, wait a minute, you've got to be kidding me, right? <laughs> so then you go in and you you meet with your caseworker and they're like, okay, so um, in order to use the bathroom like a normal human being and not have to do it in your bed, you're going to need this piece of equipment and it's a piece of crap and it's like $4,000. Oh, and good luck with insurance paying for that. Oh. And then if you want to take a shower like a normal human being, you need this chair and you know, it goes on and on. If you want to pee, if you want to pee, you need this and you need at least five a day and they cost $10 each and good luck with insurance paying for that. Yep. So with that, I looked at it and I said, wait a minute, there's got to be a better way. So I formed Amy's army while I was in the hospital and we started doing durable medical equipment for people, um, which was fine. It was great until I went to children's hospital um, in Phoenix and I was visiting a child and I looked and there was a kid coming down the hallway in a big wheelchair, like you see at a hospital or at the airport. Right. You, I thought that was, you know, just getting him out of the door. No, that was his wheelchair. So I started looking into it more and kids that are 18 and under, um, most insurance will not pay for a custom wheelchair. You might say, why is that important? Those big wheelchairs, A, weigh about 70 pounds. So you want mom and dad to continually pick them up and put them in the car to get them around. Not cool. Yeah. B, the wheels are so wide. And when they push themselves, they're going to get wrist, shoulder, elbow problems. They've got to use those for the rest of their lives. And then the cushion is not right. So they're going to get skin breakdown and have to be in the hospital. So Amy's Army then at that moment transformed from durable medical equipment to custom wheelchairs for kids 18 and under. And I remember the very first girl that we helped, um, her name was Emma and she was being homeschooled and we got her, her wheelchair. And I remember her, her sister went to pick it up first of all, and almost threw it through the window because it was so light. She couldn't believe it. But as we're leaving, Emma said to her mom, Hey mom, I think I want to go to real school now. So Emma now goes to quote unquote real school because she feels cool enough in this wheelchair. We let the kids pick out everything they want. If they want lighted wheels, they get lighted wheels. There was a three-year-old that it took forever to get her wheelchair and I couldn't figure out what's going on. And I called the company and I'm like, what is up? Oh, well, you know, she can't decide if she wants pink or purple or sparkles or whatever. I'm like, give the child a half and half wheelchair. I don't care what you yes. do, like Small. make it happen. Um, and so then through, um, you know, uh, I, I did a lot of work with Columbine just because I grew up around there. And um, one of the 
kids that I had met in the hospital, kids now, he's, you know, in his thirties, he recently, uh, his wheelchair broke down and, uh, you know, his cushion got stolen, all sorts of bad things. So we got him a wheelchair and I'm now transitioning into helping veterans get custom wheelchairs because again, veterans are in that spot where, you know, everyone goes, well, they've got the VA. Look that up. <laughs> Just look that up for a second. Uh, so I, yes. I would also love to help homeless people as well. I would love to branch into that. So that's what Amy's Army does is we do custom wheelchairs because it's so important. I mean, think about if you had shoes that didn't fit and you had to wear them all day, every day, you know, it would cause a lot of problems. And that's what our wheelchairs are. So I want to get as many people comfortable and healthy and happy and out there as we can. And that's what Amy's Army does. I love it. It's, I mean, it's so obviously inspiring, but it's so amazing how God universe things work to where something happens. And then now you have this platform to have such impact and purpose and, um, you know, opportunity to touch all these lives in such a different way. And if it wasn't you guys and who would be asking these questions or highlighting these conversations, um, it's, and, and that's such a huge responsibility. So I think things fall on, people like you guys with these missions. Cause it's, I mean, it's huge. I mean, these are huge conversations. These are huge responsibilities. It's a big deal. And I think it takes, um, such a strong human physically and mentally, uh, to carry this weight and, and continue to have these conversations. So, um, I obviously give massive nod to you guys and I'm proud to call you guys friends. Uh, but I hope you can always pull back and, and see uh, what a big deal it is and, and how much, you know, this truly extends to other people and how much impact it really is. Um, well, it's, so, it's good to hear because I, I don't think me and Amy are really good at that. I think we're always yeah. kind of charging into the next thing. Like I've had that conversation before. I'm like, no, we had to do this. And like, calm down. <laughs> right. calm, it's all calm, take a second, yeah. man. And I'm like, no, there's more to be done. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> that's also that's also the athlete in us. More is more. Train all the time. Yeah. You know, it, it's never enough. But I do. And this is something I've you know tried to work and pull back myself and be like, wait. You, you, you are doing what you're doing and the impact is real. Things are happening. It's never enough. I mean, I don't know that every will be, but we'll no, just unpack we, that day. And we day. always want to get it all done in the, like one yeah. day, right? Like you'll yeah. get to do it today. So yeah. 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 Well, so thank you. It's, it's huge. Yes. It's huge responsibility. I'm just so happy that we have, you know, influencers IRL in real life, like you guys that are truthfully taking this and taking the next step because man, the ripple effect when you see, you know, young human now that goes to school and she lives a different way or a veteran that now, you know, can get along with his wife. Like that ripple effect is so it's beyond what you guys will ever see. We'll ever see in our lifetime. Um, so it's huge. Uh, on that note, I'll, I'll think of something witty to, to make fun of both of you and, and bring you back down to earth. But I had to give <laughs> kudos, where, kudos where kudos is due. Uh, I mean, I have a colic in my beard over here. If you want to make fun of that, like I can't. Get I have seen that. Yeah, it is very distracting. Just, yeah, right. You know, I've been, trying oh, to fix, I've been trying to fix it the whole time, and it just keeps getting worse. I don't know what to do with it. I, I didn't even notice. Well, I've got like a bang wave, so I've been watching that, being like, "What is? We got to wash our hair." But no, so I didn't even notice the colic. You're good. Sweet. Um. But the reason we're here connecting today, uh, I try and keep any good excuse to keep these humans in my world, obviously, but we're uh, Red Bulls charity Wings for Life. It's been around, I don't know, I think five or six years or maybe longer, but it's it's a worldwide run. Red Bull, obviously, they do a lot of ton of extreme sports. So their main uh, reason and cause for this charity is spinal cord research. Um, and one of the founders brothers was directly impacted. I think that was the base of the inspiration for it, but they hold this worldwide run. Everybody runs at the same time. It's, it's really amazing. This has gone on. And right now in this day and age, it's really the only thing that we can do. You can, they had all these flagship events, which is a bummer. Ours got canceled, canceled. I was pumped that it was in Denver, but now you can just log onto the app and literally everybody runs in the world at the same time from wherever you are. So it's a really beautiful piece of unity in this time. And we're all literally divided, uh, even in our, you know, own neighborhoods. Um, and the best part of it for anyone that's, you know, as we're talking about 501c3s and charities, if you're in it and you're around it on the business side, you know, it's really hard to give away money. It's hard to navigate the business conversation, accounts and taxes and lawyers. Um, and it's, it's expensive. You have to like ha front costs around, you know, administrative and housing your charity and, and whatever. This one's cool because Red Bull fronts all the costs around the charity. So every dollar that comes in and every, every bit of the dollar actually goes back to the cause. And a lot of charities, it's like, you know, 50 cents or 40 cents or some of them are, it's, it's pretty brutal. It's like 10 cents. So it, it's one of those few where, you know, they front it and it actually goes back to what you're saying it is. So we're here today to talk about that. I'm pumped to not only highlight that charity, but obviously Amy and Ogar's uh, charities and get in the mix. Um, it, it's happening May 3rd. Uh, Amy, <laughs> I do you guys plan to row uh, 
Oh yeah. I mean, you can literally do anything, but tell me, uh, and more importantly, you know, this is a, a total KO question. Do you have an outfit planned for this race? Is it going to be on video? Because if it's going to be on video, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll wear clothes. If it's not going to be on video, I'm probably just doing it in my underwear. <laughs> oh, oh, that's acceptable. I mean, usually, yeah. I'm just, I mean, CrossFit's in a sports bra anyway, so whatever. Take um, back to the old days and nothing but spandex. Yes, basically, yeah. <laughs> Dudes in their spandex tights. It was a lot. And it's especially if you had family members, like I had my dad and brother in the mix. They weren't wearing that. But even being around dudes in spandex with them, it was weird. Um, but yeah, if you have an outfit planned, <laughs> I would love to know. No, no outfit planned. I, I'm probably going to uh, either ski or, yeah, probably just skier. Okay. Had you two skier go over row? Yeah, I'm, yes. much, I'm much better at skier. Skiering is oh, way easier from too? a chair. Skier, oh, skiering is okay. way easier from a chair. Rowing, rowing just feels like you're doing bicep curls, which is great if you want massive arms, but it's also not great if you go that far in a rower and you can't like do anything with your arms the next day and you have to try to push a wheel. Skier is just a lot easier. Got it. Okay. And, it's, and it's all like swimming. So like, you know, I used to swim for oh, you know, eight God. hours a day. So I'm going to go ahead and skier that, that sucker. It'll be good. Yeah, I'm, I've, oh. got, I've gotten pretty proficient. I've done a, um, we'll call it an accidental marathon on a skier. <laughs> oh my God. Seriously. That doesn't yeah. like shoulders, uh, forearms. Honestly, uh, the only thing that really bugged me afterwards was like breathing. Um, yeah. my, 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 my lungs and my heart hurt for like a month. Oh, I didn't do it on. I didn't. I didn't really do it on purpose. I didn't plan for it. I got called out and challenged. Someone challenged my manhood, so I had to go in and do oh, it one God. day. <laughs> True crossfitter, right here. This is. Um, this is where, but where I would like to point out, I still have the seated skier marathon um, world record. So no one's beat me yet. Oh, what is oh, it? Would What's you the record? stop? Yeah. Huh. What's the what? record? What is? Uh, three hours, fifty-two minutes, and like thirty-eight seconds. Oh my God! Seriously, that's insane. Uh, Amy, have right, you tested this? I haven't, but now now my juices are flowing, and as soon as I can get back on a skier, Ogar, it's going down. Uh, it's going down. Just just so you know, Amy, you have to keep below a two forty pace the entire time oh you're, you're doing God. it. That's fine. Okay. I got you. All right. I Amy just you. hit Ogar's lane. I totally did. I was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm staring him down right now. You just can't see it. Yes. Oh my I, God! I, I wish I could take a picture. I did it. I did it watching the. Uh, you know. Uh, the the full second season of Sherlock, the BBC show, is four yeah. is four hours long if you watch it from start to finish. And so I just watched that the entire time. Oh my that god. That is awesome. That's a that's a actually, you know, I'm giving you a bunch of crap. That's amazing. That's really yeah. fast. That's a long time, dude. And that is fast. Yes. Like, yeah. Um, Amy, if I may make a suggestion, um, yes, it, when you do it, just make sure there's a bathroom close by when you finish. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, really? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would, I, I would think that I, for any athlete in any space, like I, yeah, I think something's going somewhere. Cause that's a long time. Yup. <laughs> well, something's hopefully that's, <laughs> that's cool. That's, that's my deep thought of the day right there. That's right. That's <laughs> all. I'm going to write that down. That's good. I something's got you. going something. <laughs> yeah. Something's going somewhere. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, May 3rd, um, I hope we'll, I'll try and set up something, you know, like I said, everybody runs at the same time. I'm actually super pumped. Cause I have not been running or I haven't really been doing anything outside of like you know, quote unquote work stuff, which I actually love. Um, but we're getting back into the CrossFit mix. I know Ogar's got in a workout here pretty soon, which I'm going to jump in and do as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and get back and I'm excited to have just something to train for. So if anyone's out there that wants to join us, I think what's online, it's like two 25 minute runs or rows or walks or whatever a week. So I can commit to that as a, a non runner. Um, but I'm excited to have at least a little something to train for something to connect. We're going to be highlighting, um, charities. Like I said, Amy's and Ogar's and all the awesome stuff they're doing. We're going to be trying to highlight, uh, local businesses and just cultivate this community right now when, um, you know, we want to raise money for the cause, but right now when we're so divided, we want to create a space where we can connect, talk about what's going on, how we can help each other's businesses. Um, the usual, just more on a digital platform. So, uh, Ogar, Amy, really quickly, I'll post all this, but where do we find you guys? Give me websites, social handles, whatever you want. Um, I'm just Kevin Ogar on Instagram. <laughs> Go girl. Um, it's like share nowadays. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> just one name. Um, and then if you, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, just Kevin at, at crossfitwatchtower.com is probably the easiest email. And then revelyproject.org. Yeah, and revelyproject.org. Cool. And mm -hmm. I'm at uh, Amy's Army is at amyvandyken.org. 
And all of my social handles are Amy Van Dyken, just because I'm not uh, brain damaged and I uh, like to keep it simple. Uh, you guys nailed the branding. I think that was good. Your creative team is right on point. Yep. <laughs> right on. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, and really quickly, just by the opportunity, is there anything you guys want to share about coming up around your charities, events, social media, anything that you want to put out there? Um, I don't know. Right now, I'm just really focused on keeping the gym going and, and moving um, with Zoom classes and whatnot. So that's that's been the majority of my mental energy for the last few weeks. Fair enough. Amy, how about yep. you? Well, we had a Wags and Wine that had to be canceled uh, for obvious reasons, but we're going to bring it to Denver, uh, hopefully this summer. So uh, you and okay. your dog can get in and have some wine and some doggy treats, and uh, we'll have a bunch of Amy's Army stuff. And yeah, you can just have a good time with your pups because you know I got to do something with the pups, you guys. Yes, for sure. I mean, animals over humans all day. I'm here for my humans, Amen. but you know that is. Um, well, I love it. And yes, please. I mean, Ogar, you know this, but if there's anything that's coming to town or anything we can always cross promote or help get the word out, whatever, always I let will, me know. I will let you know. Um, we're here. I, we could go on forever. There's so many angles I'd want to keep talking about, but I, I hope everybody can, I want to say see, but really hear how wonderful my, they're, I think they're aggressive tendencies, but truthfully just warm hearted, warm hearted, kind minded, uh, humans that are truthfully, truthfully purpose driven. Um, here goes my words. I think I need more coffee. Uh, <laughs> but varsity humans in a nutshell that are really making an impact and, and, and doing the world right by just being themselves. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Um, I'm looking forward to staying in touch. I'll be stalking you over the next three weeks. You're welcome regarding uh, this run and crushing. We're going to be, I mean, we're gonna, we got a donation coming your way for each of your charities. Um, oh, thank you. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and more importantly, I know the money makes things move, but just furthering this conversation around mental health, um, you know, da daily teachable moments for people that live in realities outside of our own um, in all capacities and, and just furthering conversation and awareness in general. Well, thank you so much for having us. Appreciate yeah. it. And thank, thank you for you. everything you're doing. Yes, we're out here. We're doing this together. Um, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. And uh, I'll let you know when we, we're getting this up and running. Work. Awesome. Thanks, you guys. I appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Have good workouts. Later. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.